0: Amen. Good morning, everyone. Just before you're seated, I know you're getting ready to sit. I know you're getting, but Before you're seated, I have a request. We've been praying a lot this week. It's been, there's been an emphasis throughout this whole, this whole month on prayer. And uh, this morning as we, as we close with this last uh, message in, in this series, I got a favor to ask. Before I preach, I want you guys to pray for me. In order for God to do what He wants to do this morning, He's going to have to work through me. And I just need your prayers this morning. So can uh, can we just pray? Like just take a moment. Like I'm, I just need your prayers this morning. Okay, God, I thank you that as we gather in Your name, You are in our midst, Lord. That Your grace is extended. Even as we've Worshiped, Lord, how great your love is, Lord. And I stand before you, your servant, this morning in desperate need of your touch, in desperate need of your anointing, in desperate need of your spirit, God, to work in me and through me. God, that your word would go forward, God, but it, it wouldn't be so much the the vehicle through which it comes, but the power and the anointing of the word itself would change lives this morning. God, give me strength. Give me clarity. Give me uh, humility. Give me a sensitivity to your spirit and what you're doing here this morning, God, that you would have your way in our midst. God, that we wouldn't leave here the same as we came because of your presence and your power at work in us. So, God, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your church. I thank you, Lord, that we can gather together as a family, Lord, and we can worship you and we can lift you up, and, Lord, we can hear from you. So, God, give us ears to hear what you're speaking, Lord. Give us eyes to see what you're showing us, Lord. Give us hearts to receive it, Lord, and, Lord, in a willingness to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. You may be seated. Fantastic. God bless you guys. Thank you. I so appreciate our worship team. Um, they spoil us, really. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to be here this morning. I thank you for your prayers. And I'm believing that as we're in week four of this series on prayer, that, that it's, it's something that will continue to, to uh, bring life in the life of the church. That, Lord, the that, that God would set us up. Um, And I believe God is setting us up that as we continue, Lord, to to believe in him, and here I am praying and speaking at the same time, but God, that that you would have your way in us and that you would change us in Jesus' name. (laughs) I can't stop praying. Well, that's good. (laughs) So we're in this part four of our series on prayer, prayer and fasting, part four. And I trust that it's been helpful up to this point for for all of you, that it's been something that you've been able to, to take something from and glean from. I hope that there is more prayer happening in the life of Faith Tabernacle Church today than there was a month ago. And I'm believing that there's more prayers being answered today because we're being more aware of what's going on than there was A month ago. I mean, I've definitely enjoyed this this past week even where we've uh, uh, set aside some time to focus on prayer, to fast as a church, to pray as a community. We had the the upper room open uh, this week. We had some people come in during the week, during that time of fasting that we did and, and prayed at lunchtime. That was so encouraging for me. It's like that was a blessing. There's power in agreement, That when we come together and we agree in prayer and, and we reach out in prayer, there's power in that and it's released. There's power in pouring our hearts out to God and humbling ourselves before him. God releases something of the things of heaven when we get humble before him and pray. And I'm really looking forward to following this service, to gathering together and having a meal together. And it's, it's a time to, to celebrate. It's a time to be family. It's a time to gather around the table because God is doing things. God is going to be doing things. And it's a chance, to, it's kind of a culmination of this time. You know, we go from fasting to feasting and we're celebrating and it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that and what God is doing in our lives and in our city because I believe God is moving in our city. See, prayer is one of those aspects of the Christian walk that is so precious and so special. But for me, sometimes it can be somewhat frustrating. And they're like, oh, the pastor just said he was frustrated sometimes. Yes, I am human. Sometimes I get frustrated. But am I the only one that at times, and you can you can say this, it's all right, but at times, you won't get struck by lightning. I've done it, I promise. At times, you get frustrated with God. Sometimes you get frustrated with prayer. Sometimes you get frustrated with yourself and maybe how much you pray, but it's like, there's sometimes there's that sense that there's a little bit of frustration happening. And I'll say this. I think it's, important and, and it's it's that we get real it's important that we're real with God as long as we don't forget that God is real right I think it's important for us to be real and be honest and be open before God as long as we don't forget that our God is real in the process because because we don't want to I don't want to I don't want to pray just because it's the proper thing to do that you know there's a sense of, of duty with it I mean it is an expectation. But I want to pray because it works. Like I want it to be a part of something that, that's of my Christian walk that that's real. It's essential. There's something about it that, that that impacts. That it's worthwhile doing. It's not just because we're supposed to. It's because we have an opportunity and it's it's a privilege. And I think sometimes we might actually have more prayer or have a tendency to pray more in our lives if we we're more sensitive to or more aware of seeing God work. Like, I think, I think in our culture, there's a tendency to explain God away. Like, we'll, we'll pray for safety. I mean, how many times have we you know, prayed, you know, God protect us, or God this or that? And we're all still here. But how many times do we recognize that as God protecting us? Or we're saying, you know, God, give us this day our daily bread. God, provide the Lord, and then God's provision is abundant around us when we look, but, but how many times do we acknowledge that as we've prayed, God's answered that prayer? It, and we're, we're living in that sense of, of that accomplishment, and we see that we, I mean, I am a walking, talking, breathing, praying, preaching answer to prayer. Right here. Like, I am a miracle in your midst. If you need any kind of evidence, any kind of, of incentive to pray, you need to look no further than right here. And I would guess, chances are, that that would be true of 99 to 100% of all of us here. We're an answer to prayer. And if it's not your own prayer, it's somebody's prayer. It's your mama's prayer. We're, we're miracles, we're answers to prayer. And yet sometimes we get so, we take it for granted it's like, ooh, I know. But we do. It's a tendency, it's human nature. But I, I mean, prayer is an act of faith. Okay, prayers, it's, it's an act of faith. And, and faith is described as a lot of ways in, in the Bible, like it's described as certain things. But in regards to prayer, I want to say that, that faith could be looked at as, as this idea of, of, the, of believing and trusting in God as we as we communicate with him, as we speak to him, as we, as we work that through. It's like this idea of it's as much what we believe about God and his character as it is about the situation that we're praying for or the need or whatever. It's it, the, this idea of faith in that context. Because we have to remember that it's like faith is, is trust in God, not trust in prayer. Okay, sometimes that gets a little fuzzy. You know, we, we start praying, and we want to make sure we pray the right way. And I've been teaching on prayer now for, 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 you know, three weeks going, and this will be the fourth. And it's like, so sometimes we'll kind of get this idea. It's like, okay, you know, faith is important. And we start to put our faith in what we know about prayer. Okay, I'm doing it right now. Okay, I can have faith in my prayer. I got, I got this, I know, I know how, I've fasted, so I can put faith in my fasting. I, you know, I, I've, I've started to pray, and it's like, so now I can put, but no, it's, it's faith in the God we pray to. Matthew 21, verse 21, and I'm gonna be jumping around in scripture today, so we won't have you stand up and sit down, and it's like, it'd be good working up an appetite for what's later, but we're gonna, uh, we we'll just remain seated today as we pray, but as, as we continue, it's Matthew 21, verse 21. Prayer is an act of faith. Matthew 21, 21 says this, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Okay, when Jesus starts with the words, I tell you the truth, he's saying, sit up, shut up, and listen. I'm about to tell you something that matters. Okay, so here we go. And we always told our kids they're never allowed to say shut up, so you didn't hear me say that, okay? (laughs) Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith... And do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you also can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, now this was in context. They, they had been traveling. Jesus and his disciples had been traveling. Jesus sees this fig tree. There's no figs on it. So he curses the fig tree, and they, can tarry on, they carry on their merry way. They come back by it, and the thing's dead. Like the next day, it's like, it's completely dead. And so they're walking by this and they're like, how did that happen? And then Jesus says, if you have faith and do not doubt, if you have faith and do not doubt, if you have faith, if you believe, you see, we're steeped in a culture. We live in this culture and we're steeped in it. We're soaked in it. We're like a tea bag here. We're steeped in a culture with a worldview that says that what what can be explained, what can be touched, measured, what can be explained by scientific method and observation and all these theories and laws, what can be explained that way is real and reliable. That is what you can trust. That's the world that we live in. That's what's taught in our schools. That's what we read in our books. That's what we understand. It's this worldview that what can be explained is reliable. Faith is a paradigm shift that bases life on an alternate, alternate, alternative reality, an alternate reality, okay? Faith puts its trust in an alternate reality, a reality where there is a God, a reality where there is purpose beyond biological and chemical systems, a reality where miracles are possible, a reality in which there is life after death. Faith in God does not require the disbelief of the laws of gravity. It simply requires a different perspective. We live in a world that says what you can see is the most important thing. God's worldview is what you see matters, but you need to look at it from a different perspective. It's not denying reality. It's finding context for it. It's what science lacks. It's the one thing science lacks is the ability to answer the most important questions, one of which is why. And if you, and just so that you know, it's not just a rambling pastor. I have a bachelor of science. I have a degree in science. I love science. I think it's fantastic. To me, it has pointed me to God. It really has. So I'm not saying that we deny the reality that we live in, but that we have a different perspective—a faith perspective—a perspective, a perspective that, that allows for God to do what we cannot do ourselves. Hebrews eleven six talks about this. It's the faith chapter, and it goes down through and it talks so many of by faith, by faith, by faith. And in verse in chapter eleven, verse six, it says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith." Without faith, it is impossible. I knew that would eventually happen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the paradigm shift. That's the switch, that's the conversion experience. When we go from what we see to what we cannot see, that we say in faith, okay, I do not understand everything about God, I don't have religion all figured out, I don't have all the answers, but by faith, I'm believing there is a God and I'm also believing that if I seek him, I will find him and he will reward me as I seek him. It's a switch, it's that conversion experience. I know Christians who believe in God but don't believe that he will reward those who earnestly seek him. You're like, "Well, why would you say that? How could you say that?" How can I say that? It's because they don't seek him. They don't expect him to reward. They might pray a little bit token prayers, but really why would you pour your heart out in prayer if you don't think there's anybody really listening? Like we have this it's almost like we're practical atheists. You know, we we say there's a God, but we live like He doesn't exist. You know, like so like, there's that aspect sometimes where we where we've got to engage, we've got to activate this faith and apply it to our lives in such a way that it actually helps us to to believe that He will reward those who seek Him. It's faith, faith. It's what's needed to place to please God. Faith gets God's attention. It's it's faith. In James chapter five, verse fifteen, James five fifteen. If you're taking notes, I apologize, but thank you for trying. James chapter 515. And the prayer offered in faith. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. The prayer offered in faith. Believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. At some point, at some point in our Christian walk, prayer has to get past the point of mere words and going through the motions to where we believe in faith. And I'm not talking about this name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, like, you know, that stuff. You know, some of the, where there's, there's some extremes in in this word of faith movement where things kind of get a little bit off the rails. And, and um because I believe in the Bible. I believe that faith is powerful. I believe that prayer changes things, but extremes, they're just not helpful. And and sometimes I think for myself, because I'm, because I have my science degree and so on like that, sometimes I tend to be a little bit cynical and sometimes maybe I I don't lean that way far enough, like as far as the faith side of it, like sometimes I get practical in my prayers. But I I think there's, there's extremes and and, and we've missed the point sometimes. And, and, and something else, can I just say, we have to be so careful, because we'll, we'll catch on to something, right? Like, we'll get something. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll see it begin to work in our lives. Like, we'll, we'll be excited because, you know, faith is activated, and we're praying, and we see some of these things happen. And sometimes in our exuberance, in our passion, we can say things that we don't think about before we say We can actually abuse people when it comes to this area of, and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you an example. To walk up to someone dying of cancer and saying, well, if you just had enough faith, is not helpful. Okay, it's like that's just, just, it's never as simple as that. It's never as, and sometimes we can kind of, you know, we, we, we're, not, we're not really thinking, and, you know, it, we don't judge people on the basis of surface situations. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion, and I think we have to move with compassion, but we just have to be careful with how we communicate with people when it comes to faith and answered prayer. Because, because God's sovereignty, and it's like, like I said, I'm still a kindergartner when it comes to prayer and miracles and what God does, I'm still learning. But it's like sometimes we, you know, we get excited about something and we're not thinking and, and, and we say things. And so we just need to be careful of that. It's like, it's like you know what I'm saying? Everybody, everybody with me? Good. Praise God. We don't judge people on the basis of that. I think of the story found in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to start reading at verse 22. But let me give you the story real quick. Mark chapter 9. There's a man who has a son who's demon-possessed. It's a deaf, mute spirit. Like it's it's a it's it's not pretty, and and so he he is like wow the, he hears the 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 twelve are traveling through town so he brings the son to them, and um, he he presents his son to these twelve the, the the disciples, and they pray for him and nothing happens. That's a moment right there, like you know all this stuff is coming together and and it's like they're seeing all these cool things happen and. This, this kid's brought to them, and they pray for him, and, and nothing happens. So if we pick it up from there, the, this man, Jesus, comes on the scene. Jesus wasn't with the 12 at that point, so Jesus comes on the scene. And, and so he's talking to the father, and the dad's talking to him, like very earnestly speaking to him. And, and um, so the man speaking to Jesus says, talking about the spirit, it says it's often thrown him into the, the fire or the water to kill him. This is this is the father speaking to the it's like this is this is a crisis of incredible impact on this man. And then he says, "But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us." Like he's just seen the 12 not be able to do it. And he says to Jesus, well, "But Jesus, if you know, if you can do anything, like if if you can, if you can do anything?" And Jesus says, if you can, with a big old question mark, if you can, Jesus said, "Everything is possible for him who believes." Immediately, the boy's father exclaims, "Like I, I do believe, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief!" Right. So here's like Jesus is saying, Jesus is like pretty straightforward here. He says, "If you believe," and the and the guy's like, "Whoa, oops! I think I might have just pushed a button here," and Jesus responds. Anything, like, everything is possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father says, I do believe, help help me overcome my unbelief, which is beautiful, I love this, I I pray that. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit, says, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed uh, him violently, came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. That's not good for PR, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Okay, that's, the, that's what happened in the public. After Jesus had gone indoors and his disciples asked him, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we drive it out? He's like, you just did. You made it look easy. Why couldn't we do that? And he replied, this kind can, can come out only by prayer and fasting kind of makes me think well what on earth were they doing but anyway so he said you know it's like guys it's like this this only comes out so again I don't know about you but I'm glad there's failures recorded in the bible this was a failure okay like this is something they tried it didn't work whatever they were doing didn't work we witness a failure and I'm glad that's there We've got the disciples, and I don't know how many of them were there. There, All 12 might have been there. I don't know. But the disciples, they pray for this young man, and they couldn't deliver the boy. They tried. Jesus did it. When asked why, Jesus just points to prayer and fasting. But it wasn't a simple formula. Like, it wasn't just cut and dried. Well, you do this, and this happens. Right? They tried. It didn't work. I mean, I'm glad we've been doing some prayer and fasting here at the church. I think we might be on to something. I think that's pretty important. I think there's, I think there's power in that. I mean, there's things that we can confront that, because of prayer and fasting, that God will be empower us to be able to be a part of. Because it's like, no, we're, we're, no, God, we're serious about this. We want to see these things happen. We want to see miracles. Let's keep, you know, God, let's keep this going. I think we're onto something. But, but it's not always as simple as saying a prayer and walking away. I think we need to realize that with faith, there's things that. Don't plug into an equation very easily sometimes. There's things that that aren't that easy. I want to go to the Old Testament to a great story, and I wish I had time to... I love this story, and I refer to it slightly in one of the other messages about Elijah being a man just like us, and Elijah prays, and the rain stops... It was just after Elijah was a prophet and he he had gathered the nation of Israel to turn them back to God and he prayed and fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. That's this Elijah, okay? So that's the little bit of the background of the story. But then following that miracle when everything was dealt with, there's this moment where where, uh, Elijah prays for rain. And, and it's kind of a case study in the prayer of faith. It's like it's a great story. I encourage you to go to the first King's 18 and read that story starting, starting from when he, he called the nation together, and the, and the whole thing rolled forward from there. It would be before 18, but 18 is where we, we turn to now. So we've had this miracle. Then the king is there, the nation is there. So Elijah speaks to the king. All right, he says to the king, king, you need to get to the palace and you need to get to the palace now. It's about to rain. Now, something you got to realize, it's been three and a half years since it rained. So they are in one of the worst droughts they've been in for years. We've got a crystal blue sky, zero percent humidity, No sign of rain, but Elijah says to the king, he says to the king, King, get out of here, like go. King, you need to go, it's gonna rain. Okay, so that's the context. So then, Elijah goes to prayer. He goes back up to the top of the mountain. He kneels down, he prays. And so he prays once, he said, you know, Lord, send the rain. So he grabs his assistant pastor and he says, hey, go check the weather. So the assistant pastor goes out, looks at the horizon, nada, nothing. Comes back and tells Elijah, same as, like, nothing. Okay. Elijah goes back to prayer. He prays again. Sends out the assistant pastor, go check the weather. It's like, assistant pastor's like, I already did that. Go check the weather. He goes out, looks, nothing. Sends him out a third time. Okay? Time number three. Lord, send the rain. Lord, send the rain. Sends the assistant out, nothing. Nothing. Three times. Now, understand, Elijah, context, Elijah has just called fire down from heaven. He prays and boom, it happens. One time, it just says, God, just so these people will know you are God and so that they will see how powerful you are and that these other prophets are baloney, come burn up the sacrifice. And boom, fire comes from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, it's all there. One prayer. Here we are, maybe even the same day. I don't know if it was the same day, but very soon afterwards. Three times he prays, nothing. He goes to prayer fourth time, nothing. A fifth time, Nothing. By this time, the assistant pastor, being a very supportive man that he is, he goes, are you sure you heard God right? Um, you know, the whole fire from heaven thing, that, that worked right away, but it's like, this is not working. Are you sure? Are you, did you make a mistake here? You know, the doubts start to come in. It's like, you, uh, this isn't working. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should just give up. Maybe, maybe this isn't God. It's not God's will today. Maybe it's just not God's will today for it to rain. Six times, sends, the other, sends him back. Six times, he goes, uh, the sixth time he goes out, nothing. At this time, for myself, you wouldn't need it to rain, because I'd be sweating buckets. It's like, God, what's going on? So seventh time, he prays, he goes and he prays again. He prays the seventh time. The servant goes and he looks. He comes back and he says to Elijah, he says, well, I don't know if this means anything, but it's like I see a, a cloud about the size of a man's fist coming up out of the. Says I see Elijah's like, get off the mountain now! I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. So he goes tells he goes tells the king he says, get out of here! We're gonna get, like it's gonna rain. The rain is coming. And guess what? It rained. And boy, did it rain! It It came down buckets. It poured. It poured. God answered that prayer seven times. It would have been excruciating. The prayer of faith. And one of the most, like I said, one of the most confronting statements is in James chapter 5. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that scripture. It rained. The drought ended. God responded. He answered the prayer. It took guts. It took faith for Elijah to say to the king, the ruler, the man in charge, hey, rain's coming, with no sign of it. No sign, no indication, nothing that would give him confidence in being able to say that, except his faith in God. The only thing he had to go on was a word from God. That's all he had. He had nothing else. Seven times he prayed. This is where it gets interesting. Because I'm wondering... I want us to perhaps move into the realm of the risk of failure here. For all of us. <laughs> For the record, that makes me nervous. I'm, I'm, I don't like to fail. Ever. It's just it's me. It's why I don't usually play board games with my family, because... <laughs> <laughs> But I think we sometimes hold back because we don't want to fail. We, we lower our expectations. We pray prayers that, you know, we don't want to fail. And just as bad, I think sometimes we don't want to look stupid. Because the faith that it took to say, hey, rain's coming. If he'd have kept it to himself and gone and prayed, that would have been one thing. He made it public when there was no sign of it. And then he believed for it and he prayed. I mean, think about it. Peter had enough faith to get out of a perfectly good boat and walk on water. It's like, dude, that's awesome. He also got his eyes on the storm and sank. But, dude walked on water. I mean, come on, that takes faith, right? He got out of the boat. He... <laughs> I believe one of the greatest hindrances to a powerful prayer life is our tendency to live our lives in such a way we don't need God. Like, what did you just say? I said, I believe one of the greatest hindrances to a powerful prayer life is our tendency to live our lives in such a way that we don't need God. Oh, pastor, you're just talking crazy now. If there's no margin, if there's no room, if there's no gap, if we don't come to the edge to the point where the potential is we could fall off, do we really need God to catch us? There's a tendency to be safe. There's a very real danger that we can hide in prayer where we ask all things of God and nothing of ourselves. (laughs) You're like, oh, man, Seriously, when we pray, think about it. You know, we go to the prayer room, we say, God, God, send revival. God, God, save my family. God, God, do a miracle. God, and, and those are good, solid prayers. Like, and we need to pray, but it's like I think sometimes we pray to where we put everything we ask God, but there's this unwillingness to say, but God, whatever you need, I'm here. We ask nothing of ourselves. I mean, there's, oh, okay, there's time. Understand this as well. I wanna, there are times when God is our refuge and strength. There's times when we are beaten down. There's times when we're injured. There's times when we need healing. When we go to the throne of God, we go to the grace of God, and we throw ourselves at his feet, and we, we hide under the wings of the Almighty, and we get healed. That's, imp- that's okay. There's no shame in that. That's a healthy thing to do. But that's not the norm for a believer. That's not the norm for a person of faith. That's not where we should live. We're not to live under the wings of the Almighty. We're, we're to walk with, we're to fly on the wings. They will rise up with wings as eagles, those who wait upon the Lord. There's flight there. There's getting out of the nest. They're stepping off the ledge. They're borrowed wings, right? But they're there for us. And I think sometimes we kind of leave them on the shelf. Our prayer is accompanied by obedience. There's a story the early church found in in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, they've been out preaching the gospel and running into some serious opposition from the Jewish religious leaders. Yeah, Acts chapter 4. They were beaten, threatened, told to stop. And I love the reaction from from the band of believers that was gathered to hear the story and to pray together. I love their reaction to this. So like, if you can imagine, you know, it's like Peter and John, they've been out, they've been preaching, they've been beaten and they're gathering together. But in Acts chapter four, verse 49, 49 Oh, 29, Acts four, verse 29, these are gutsy prayers. I love this. So here they've been persecuted for their faith. Oops, must've been doing something wrong. No, they were doing something right. And this is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. Heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed. They were filled, and they spoke boldly. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for courage. They didn't pray Lord save me they prayed Lord use me it's like those are gutsy prayers those are the kinds of prayers where God shakes the place I love that it's scary yes I mean it requires some faith but it's like that is the coolest thing ever I mean Paul another I want to throw another example of that Paul in the in the writings of the New Testament he's writing all these stories and He's recording all this stuff, and he's writing to the different churches. And the tenor of his messages are like, pray, guys. It's like, yeah, there's, a, there's opposition, but what can separate us from the love of God? We're going to keep pressing through. We're going to keep believing. We're going to keep praying. And he talks about the armor of God. They're in this battle of the unseen, right? The, the principalities and powers. And he's like, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? So he, and he goes down through this armor that they can put on, that when they're in the battle, right? So armors for battle. You don't get dressed up in armor and sit on your couch. It's like this is, there's this sense of like, this is what this is about. So he goes through that. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 6, after he talks about the fighting the good fight of faith, in Ephesians 6, 18. And he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. He says, Pray for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Dude's in jail. Uh Uh-huh. Dude's in jail. And he says, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul's call to prayer was a call to action. It was to believe for something more. It was to take a risk it was to make him fearless and to make his message go forth in, in power, in boldness. Church, if we're going to see God move in our city in the way that, that we believe he wants to, I think we got to get into this kind of prayer mode. I think we've got to get into this place of where we're praying gutsy prayers. That require something of us as much as they require something of God. Where we're, really, where we're willing to take a risk. Where we're willing really to step out there. Where we're willing to live in that area of faith where, you know, we're kind of on the ledge and we're like, mm-hmm, okay, God. I'm not gonna fall off this time. I asked the team to, to come back up. Let me encourage you with this. God gives us the grace to do what he's called us to accomplish. I know what I've been praying is not comfortable, or praying and preaching is not comfortable stuff. It ruffles us up a little bit. It's it's not easy because it requires, there's conviction in it, it requires something of us. But God gives us the grace to do what he's called us to do. It's not mission impossible. Being a missional church, and that's a word we throw around a lot, but being a missional church is really about people living missional lives. And living a missional life is not this idea of being something that you're not. Living a missional life is being who you are in the sphere of influence that you are in, that God has given you, and living in such a way that every breath you take every word you say, every action you do, finds context in the call of God on your life. Yes, you have a call of God on your life. It's not just pastors. Because we're called to walk in obedience to what God has called us to do. And he's not calling you to be me. One is enough, ask my wife. God's not calling you to be me. He's not calling you to stand up here with a microphone. I mean, he might, there might be a call of God on your life to preach, that's fine. Maybe you're not the person that stands on a street corner and and, and gives out tracts. Maybe you are. Maybe it's just the ability to be somebody that's going to listen to someone around the water cooler and actually bring some truth and bring some light into that situation. Maybe it's the person that lives across the hall from that drug addict that maybe makes sure they get home every once in a while. It's, It's not always some huge, profound spiritual or theological action, but it's the simplicity of realizing I can make a difference. I can be salt. I can be light. I can carry the gospel into my world. And I can do it as me. You need to do it as you. You can't do it as anybody else. You are not Paul or John the Baptist. You are you. And you know why you're you? Because God looked down through eternity and saw a need for you, so he created you for that purpose. There's... There's so much available to us in the realm of faith. There's so much available to us in the realm of faith that we will never experience in the boat. And dare I say, you will never even experience in the prayer closet. I mean, it starts there. You wanna keep your knees well calloused, trust me. But there's a place that we're called as a church recognizing that we carry something of great value, the hope of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want us to stand together. We as a church, Faith Tabernacle Church, we love our city. No question about it. This is a great church. This is a church that's not satisfied with just maintaining. This is a church that's not about just the status quo. This is a church about making a difference, and we celebrate that. We're in this heart and soul. This is our city. God's given us this city. God's called us to this city. We're believing for this city. But let's pray for boldness to go deeper, to reach further, to believe for a greater impact. God, we got, you know, come on, guys. We got something started here. We got, we're, the church is moving in the right direction. We're leaning into something. What, can we move into that realm of faith where we're stepping a little bit further we're getting close to the edge we're spreading those wings we're believing for more let's continue to be faithful in prayer and obedience and what, can we begin to just pray now I want us to pray i'm to but I want us to pray the acts four kind of prayer and i'm gonna pray and and i want can we just agree together before we before we start to sing can we Maybe, maybe I've stirred something in you. It's like, God, God, I just pray, Lord. Lord, I pray for boldness. God, I'm believing, Lord, that you're going to stir something within us. Lord, that we would be bold as lions and gentle as doves. Lord, that we have a sense of calling and purpose and courage, not because we're great. God, because you're great. God, not because we've got all the answers, but because you are the answer. God, that we would give us boldness, God. Lord, that in those situations where it might be a little awkward, in those situations where maybe we haven't tested the waters yet, maybe in those situations where where we want to reach out, but we're just scared. God, maybe we even do it scared sometimes, but God, give us boldness. God, I pray for miracles. I pray for signs and wonders like the book of Acts did. God, that you will act, and not just in the church, Lord, not in this room, but God, that we would see miracles out in the, on the streets. We'd see miracles in our homes. We'd see miracles where we live, in our workplace, God, that we'd be able to pray the prayer of faith over people and see them healed, see them delivered, see them set free, see them transformed, see them saved in Jesus' name. God, would we be fearless but not careless? God, that we would, we would walk with a sensitivity and a compassion, that our hearts would break for the lost. They're not the adversary. They're our purpose. God, that we would see people, lost people, hurting people. Lord, as an opportunity to share the love of God, that we would walk in abandon. Lord, that we would see them as a ministry, Lord, not as an enemy. Oh, God, stir us as a church. Lord, we, Lord, we need more. We, Lord, we're, we just need so much more of you. God, we're, we're, we're bumping into stuff. Like we're, we're getting close to breakthrough, God, and we pray for breakthrough. God, I'm believing for breakthrough. Lord, I'm believing for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would just fill this place. You would fill our hearts with the power of your Holy Spirit. You would baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Fill us with power, oh God. Lord, and fill us with purpose, and fill us with boldness, and fill us with compassion, and Lord, and a desire to reach out and transform our city for your glory, for your honor.